ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. So, uh, I ride the subway in New York. A lot of people seem to be surprised that I ride the subway in New York, but I ride the subway in New York. is the easiest way for me to get around town. Um, and I don't have... I. I do not have the level of bread to be riding around catching a car everywhere I go and not think about it. Like you ain't got the bread to do that. If you ain't got the bread to not think about it, like as these things happen, you just don't consider them, whatever. So I ride the subway in New York city. And so it's 2018 It's the 21st century. And people say that chivalry is dead. And I don't agree. Chivalry isn't like dead. I do admit, though, that chivalry does occasionally cause a quandary. And one place where chivalry causes the quandary is on the subway. So, as you might imagine, it's kind of bad form to see a woman on the train and you sitting down, and you don't offer her a seat. Like, especially if she in, like, a nurse uniform or something like that, something to indicate work clothes, you know, you should give up your seat. Then there's the part where a seat opens up on the subway. And not everybody likes to sit on the subway. Some people just prefer to stand for whatever reason. So a seat opens up on the subway and you decide whether or not you're trying to get that seat. Man, one day I saw that seat. I had my headphones in. I wasn't really paying attention. It's the morning. I got a pretty long ride. So I went for that seat. And I was just about to sit down in that seat. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw this woman. Apparently, she was going for the seat at the same time. And I hear, as I'm almost, I almost got my booty in it. And she like, oh, my God. My bad, lady. So I, you know, let her have the seat. I was a little ashamed. So I ain't make nothing of it. I just kind of walked away. But here's the thing, man. And this is what she ain't recognized in it. You know how many times I look over there and I see me a seat and I'm like, yo, let me do some chivalry because I see some woman who might be near that seat and then some dude just go sit in that seat. And I have to say, on one level, I should look in the mirror after something like that and I should say to myself, self, That's all right. You were doing the right thing. On the other level, I try to work on the Google document for the job while I'm on the train, and that's kind of hard to do while you're standing up. Now this dude done got the seat. And I'm not going to lie. It's about to turn me to a savage. About to. Like, you got to make moves. You got to operate with a certain measure of speed. You got to make it happen. And let me tell you, 
I mean, some hard, like, hard, disappointing moments in trying to get that seat. And I can't imagine what it looked like when you try to make that move for that seat and you get there and the seat's taken. And you're just like, damn, man, call me slip. But I had one happen one day where I was trying to get on a train. I was on a train, rather, and I seen a seat. And I saw in the seat next to it, it was two seats. And so I'm going for one. I'm going for one seat, right? And I see the other person making a move in the same direction. And you know what happened? That dude took both seats. He got them both. Nah, 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 nah. I ain't saying nothing about man spreading. Homie got both seats. That's what he required. Both seats. And so I'm kind of curious, you know, just how it is that y'all handle these circumstances and situations. You know, like, like how does this thing wind up going? What point of your savagery are you existing in? Because I still, man, I just can't be the dude that, like, takes that seat and then everybody looking at me funny. I'm just not that gangster with mine. You know, I ascribe to a certain, you know, set of what they call a mores. This is kind of what I do. But, man, some days you just be like, nah, I'm sorry. I got to get this. I got to get this when this happened. Like, for example, um, if you wind up at one of those stations that's like a major hub, you know, where there's a lot of train transfer stuff that goes on there, right? And you get to one of those, yeah, you get to that stop where there's a whole lot of people getting off because that's where the transfer is at. Nah, man, I'm getting that seat. I'm getting that seat for anybody new walk on the train. Like, it's going to be enough. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I got work to do. Television show don't care about my manners. I got to get out here and I got to entertain America, baby. That's what I got. That's what I got to do. Anyway. Let us move on. To your questions. How problematic is it Terry Crews is being made fun of for being sexually assaulted? So this is interesting. And I want to I, I do think that we owe this matter a certain level of clarity. I don't think that Terry Crews is being made fun of for being sexually assaulted. Terry Crews is being made fun of for not whooping this dude's ass for sexually assaulting him. That's what it is. Now. It is a different sort of victim blaming because, again, the blaming is for the fact that he ain't wrecked shop. So I feel like people operate in the space of women where they don't think a woman is just in a position just to beat somebody up after something like that happens. But you expect not just any dude, but a big old dude like Terry Crews to do that. You know, that dude played in the NFL. So, you know, people are like, yo, man, you know, it gets into that if it was me. Man, if it was me, I would do all that stuff. Because everybody always got the if it was me sort of situation. Now, I could be wrong here. You know, um, and if I'm wrong, you go ahead and tell me. And I know you will because that's just how y'all get down. But I don't feel confident myself that sitting here, I know exactly what I would do if I was at some party 
and some dude grabbed my crotch. Like, I feel like you deserve a certain measure of benefit of the doubt for like, whoa, 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 what just happened here? Because I don't feel like that's the sort of thing that immediately registers. Like, I remember once, I don't know if anybody else did this when they were like a younger person and you were growing. And as you start growing, you're now able to like touch the, do- the top of the door frame and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Or you can like touch the ceiling. And so once you can touch the ceiling, you can touch these things. Now you want to jump anytime you come into the room and you buy it. You know, you want to jump and you want to try to do that. And I remember one time I was trying to touch the ceiling in the room and I jumped and I got it up to the ceiling. And I just remember hearing bow and something hit my hand and my hand didn't really hurt. But I couldn't figure out like what in the world had just happened. And so I'm on the ground and then I look up and I'm like, oh, that's what happened. I hit my hand in the ceiling fan. but like the thought of hitting the ceiling fan was something that did not cross my mind. So like if I did not immediately look up and see the ceiling fan, I would have had no idea what in the world happened. Cause like what, like the idea of hitting my hand on the ceiling fan was not something that I would have considered. Like it's not it. And so, yeah, I can see this happening to you and you just kind of being like, yo, what in the world's going on? The other thing is this at that moment or whatever, if you're Terry Crews, and these, and these cats, what these cats is talking about, yeah, you need to beat that dude up. All right, cool. Um, so where are you going to go get a job after you go do that? And, you know, I know a lot of people have made the argument, and I get where they're coming from. And if you're willing to stand on that principle so tough that you're like, yeah, I'll throw my whole career away because I'm not tolerating this in this moment. Look, if you're actually willing to do that, I don't begrudge you that for a second. Like if a woman had been sexually assaulted and she decided, yo, I'm standing up to this right now, my career be damned. We'd all say, yay, good for you. And the situation with Terry Crews, it's a little bit different, but we'd probably wind up saying the same thing. Most people going to take the big picture view of something like that, and they're going to probably do what Terry Crews did and swallow it. And I bet it killed him every day to go ahead and do that, right? And so, again, I understand perhaps how it is that you look at that and you're like, man, I wouldn't have done that. Maybe not. Maybe not. I feel like that that's a very easy thing for you to say when you don't have anything to lose. And I feel like the people who pipe up the loudest in circumstances like this are people who typically don't have anything to lose. But where I think, where this thing with Terry Crews is, it's kind of gone to a place that I didn't think about. I think I saw Reagan Gomez tweet about this. I'm not sure if it was her or it was somebody else. But there's a level to this that I really, I don't know if I had given it that much thought um, as to one of the reasons that Terry Crews is pushing this in the ways that he is, is that if someone would feel entitled to behave this way with Terry Crews, Right? If someone felt that they could behave that way with that dude who you might be afraid could kill you with his bare hands, if somebody would feel comfortable putting their hands on that dude in that way with his wife in the room, and he felt that he was powerless to do anything about it because he went and told people that it happened and nobody did anything. 
if that's what happens to Terry Crews, what in the world is the situation for the average woman in Hollywood? Like, what is the plight that they got? What is it that they got to deal with if somebody feels like they can do that to Terry Crews? Like somebody's in the chat room saying he shouldn't have said anything, let dogs lie. Dude, this ain't even a matter of about the dog's part, at least in what I'm talking about right now. Now, I get if he if he feels like that agent should suffer some repercussions and consequences, I can see that totally, and he would be correct in that regard. But don't think about it from the standpoint of trying to get somebody in trouble. Think about this as an illustration of what the state of affairs is. Think of that as an illustration of what all the things are that people were talking about at the height of the Me Too stuff. Like, think about what they're saying. Think about how powerless you are. So you can even say, even with somebody with the privilege of being a male that he has, he's still in the position where the power dynamic is totally skewed. Because the thing about Hollywood is, like, if I use a sports analogy with this, Floyd Landis talked about this with Lance Armstrong. We talked about, yo, if you were on the team with Lance Armstrong, Lance Armstrong is like, look, this is what we do, right? We on this juicy juice. This is what we do. And if this ain't what you about to do, then you need to get out of here. Floyd And cats like Floyd Landis are like, yo, man, I worked my entire life to get to this point. All right. I did everything to get to this point. Am I going to am I going to turn around right now? Am I going to throw this all away right now after everything I did to get here? And most people will not. And that's the thing about Hollywood, man. People don't wind up in that as a hustle, man. People wind up in that as a dream. And ain't a whole lot of jobs that's going to pay that kind of money. Ain't going to be a lot of jobs that make you feel as good as that. They're just not. And so that is what winds up getting exploited. And so it can become very easy, I think, to look at people who have things or people who are on the verge of having things and to just look at them and be like, hey, man, well, you know, once you, you know, you're just afraid of losing what you got and da, da, da. And yeah, like, there's something to that, but it's not necessarily cowardice. It's not, you know, these are their lives. These are the places that they want to be. These are the things that they want to do. These are the dreams that they got. People get asked to make all kinds of horrible decisions in the name of that dream. And they'll ask Terry Crews to make that call. And they'll ask these women to do a whole lot more. And that I think is the illustration that people need to be taking taking in this. I think like I think that's maybe the most important point, because the one thing that we can have in this and all these different revelations of these sexual misdeeds that people have committed. We can't be out here talking about how Terry Crews ain't man enough, like that can't be your passionate thing that you come out of from all of this It's just how Terry Crews ain't man enough. You go tell Terry Crews that right now. In fact, how about that? Why don't you go run up on Terry Crews and grab his cross and see if he's going to let that same thing happen twice. Yeah. See how that works out for you. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. How complicated is Joe Jackson's legacy? Joe Jackson's legacy to me is pretty simple. Rest in peace, by the way. Joe Jackson was a dude who himself wanted to be a musician. He couldn't make it happen. He had really talented children. He fulfilled their dreams through him. I mean, his dreams through them. He rode them incredibly hard. He treated them in a way that absolutely by modern standards would be considered abusive and probably would be considered to be abusive at that point. I mean, at that point in time. One of those kids was Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was incredible. What's Joe Jackson's legacy? 
he got the Jackson five going. He managed his kids' careers for quite a while. They were very successful and talented. What's so complicated? I, I, I don't see any complexity here, right? He might have been a better manager, like as a manager of artists, than he was a father. Now, if you want to say the complexity is, or the complication is, perhaps you could say that maybe those boys don't wind up where they do if he doesn't ride them as hard as he did. I think that is probably not true. How much riding did you have to do with Michael Jackson? Right? Like, how hard did you have to push Michael Jackson in order for him to be somebody famous? Like maybe you need to get Michael Jackson somewhere where somebody could see him. But I don't like aim for so much credit you getting for getting Michael Jackson there. It's Michael fucking Jackson. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. I'll answer this. Are you getting in more Twitter beefs because of high noon? That is a very interesting question. How about this? I am getting into fewer Twitter beefs because of high noon. Not more, but fewer. Now, you may be wondering why it is or how it is that I would be getting into fewer Twitter beefs because of high noon. And I'll tell you why. I made a decision on the first day that the show came on that I wasn't going to argue with anybody that day about it. But that was a day to be celebrated. That is one of the most, if not the most important day of my career. And I was going to enjoy it. And, And so subsequent to that, here's the thing. We have a new television show. We have a television show that we didn't really do any promotion for leading up to it, which is to say that we have a show that is new and a show that a lot of people are not expecting to see when they turn it on. As a result of that, you're going to have a lot of people who don't like the show off the rip and they haven't even actually watched it. Let me tell you what else that you have you also have people who are going to watch it and the first couple of times that they watch it they're not going to like it because they're not accustomed to it and then you never know with those people when it is that they're going to come around and be like yo you know what i really didn't rock with that show at first but now it's cool but more than that people got the right to not like the show And if they don't, they don't like there are people who like me and people who like Pablo who don't necessarily like us together. There are people who like us together who don't necessarily like us on television and they allowed to do that. Like that's not necessarily hating. You know, the thing that I generally just don't like is when people decide they just want to go out of your way to like throw that kind of stuff in your face. But I'll be honest, that's not really happening um, at this point with the show It's not. So early, I can't, I'm not, 
I'm not getting into it with people about that because there's so many different reasons that they might feel the way that they feel and they entitled to feel the way that they feel. But you got to realize something about this with me, man. I've been doing this job a long time. And one thing I've learned about me doing this job is that a whole lot of those people who talk about how they hate it or whatever it might be, I hate what I do, man, they sure know a lot about what I've been talking about on whatever it is. It's been a bunch. And so maybe part of it is I just don't even really necessarily have the stamina anymore to go back and forth with people um, in these ways or whatever. Uh, but generally, in my experience, when people try to insult me, they just insult me. Like, they don't insult the shows. Like, you see me going back and forth with people. They're, they're typically insulting me. And so that's a little bit of a different thing. But you want to say something about this TV show. All right. You know, you're going to tell me my TV show is terrible. My what is terrible? I say that one more time for me. My what is terrible? But do you realize how few of those there are? Like, it ain't that many. So, yeah, we started a new show. In a few months, we may reach a point where, like, I'm really looking at, like, what ratings are and stuff like that and, like, seriously concerned about it. That might happen. Let me tell you what I'm doing right now. I am having a ball. That is what I'm doing right now. I am having a ball. I am doing a TV show with one of my favorite people that is produced by some of my favorite people with a boss that's one of my favorite people. And we go in there and we do stuff that we enjoy. You know, and so for me with that, I mean, I got I'm good. You know, like if you don't like it, that's fine. I mean, that's, that's just what it's going to be for some people. If you say you don't like it, all right, cool. But, like, we are having a legitimately good time doing this show. And so, no, I'm not really getting any beef with anybody about it. Because so here's, here's, I guess, quote, unquote, the thing, or maybe the thing that I would discuss right now. And this is, like, for people who... Like those of you who actually know me, like, this is actually an interesting one. Um, I was talking to Katie Nolan about this once, and Katie was telling me that because I don't know her well, but you know we know each other, we we've met, you know. And so she was like, "Yeah, I used to read your timeline and think that you were just really mad at these people." And then I met you, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, he's laughing the whole time." Yes. Yes. That's how it goes. I am laughing the whole time. Like I can't I can't get I can't get caught up in somebody else's opinion in that way. Cause I got a bunch of shit that I don't like, and I don't even necessarily need a good reason not to like it. I got a bunch of stuff that I don't like. I'm not gonna be mad at you for not liking it. I'm gonna get mad at you for talking crazy to me. As mad as I'm gonna get at a stranger. Like that's gonna be the issue is that you're talking crazy to me. But no, 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 no. Right now, man, we rolling on this show. We really are. We are. And like I'm making a bet that the good time that we're having doing that show is going to be infectious. Like I'm betting that we're going to have such a good time doing this that you're going to have a good time watching it. Because how could you not have a good time with it if you see what a good time we are having? That's how I'm trying to play this. That's where I'm at with it. So, nah, I ain't really doing that. But actually, you can go check my Twitter timeline. The beef is really slowed down. Well, the, the whole timeline itself, if we're being honest, is slowed down. 
But you go look at it. I'm not. It ain't that, man. It ain't. Appreciate the question. I got to go down a little bit to figure out how to close this one out, and then we'll go get another one. In your opinion, what's the difference between stealing a song and biting a sound? See Donald Glover. Okay, Donald Glover is too vague a way to put this, though. Like, are you talking specifically about This Is America? Because if you're talking specifically about This Is America, this is tricky. And so um, Donald's man, Fam, had come on Twitter and said that This Is America was a three-year-old song and that they had the Pro Tools files to prove it. And then um, he deleted that tweet. Like it was gone. So I don't know if I'm supposed to assume that that is still the truth. I don't know. Here's the thing. This is America and this song, American Pharaoh, was the guy's name, Jace Harley or something like that. If you haven't heard it, you can go look it up. I mean, they're not the same song. But they are songs that absolutely derive from the same place. They do. Now, the question of whether or not Donald bit this entirely depends on whether or not the song, like whether Donald and his people had heard the song before they made their own. Like that matters. Like it requires some level of factual investigation to talk about what it is. And when you say it's still in a song of biting a sound, I don't know if it's either one. It would take a hell of a coincidence for those two songs to have been derived independent of one another, where not neither of them fed into the other. Like, that would take a hell of a coincidence. But stuff like that does happen. Like, I mean, I mean you can't pretend like things like that don't happen. They really, really, really do. But, man, they are on the same theme. They got the same sound. They seem to be the same tempo. It's a lot there. And it doesn't help on Donald's side. There's dude Ludwig, who does the production and stuff like that, seems to be better at mimicking and recreating sounds than he is at creating new ones. So the idea that he would do a song that sounded like a song somebody else did, I mean, you've heard Awaken My Love. That's a whole bunch of that on there. Right? So I don't know. We'll see. But, I mean, the thing about biting a sound so what do we call biting a sound? Because we got generations of people that bit James Brown's sound, right? So, like, at what level does it stop being that you bit somebody's sound or this is just an influence? Like, does it have to be a situation where enough people jump on something that it becomes, like, an influence and not biting? Because, really, 20, 30 years of music was straight biting James Brown. Like, two different forms of James Brown, by the way. You know, so what's the line? I don't have a great answer for you on that. But, uh... Yeah, we'll see how it goes on that with Donald. I think it's like ultimately going to blow over because the guy who did the original song doesn't seem that heated about it, but they do sound a lot, a lot, a lot alike. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. This week, Tiana Taylor has been doing interviews and going on Twitter saying that the album that was released on Friday is not her complete album. Do you think she would be justified in trying to force her way off of good music because of this debacle? Yo, how exactly are we defining debacle here? Because 
I understand the argument that that album was not complete and she thought that album was going to sound like something else. And I'm very curious what that album was, that what she thought that that album was going to sound like. Um, because, hey, guys, that album, as it is, is smoking. Like, people have been saying throughout this thing that with all the, re- all the records that were going to come out, that hers was probably the best one. And from what I heard, hers absolutely was the best one. That thing is smoking. So if there's more to it that can make it bigger, then I'm down to hear it. But it ain't it ain't no debacle. So like people saying, you know, parts are missing. Yeah, that's fine. I know the idea is that parts are missing. It also sounds like some of what might have been parts are missing was sample clearance and stuff like that. I don't know. Regardless of what's missing, what's there is dope. Now, people talking about, um, you know, that this felt incomplete or whatever, that there's more to it or she could force her way off the label. I mean, maybe you can force your way off the label under those circumstances. However, I don't know if you guys remember when The Life of Pablo came out, but it wasn't finished. I don't know if you guys remember Yeezus that Kanye threw it in front of Rick uh, Rubin two weeks before it came out and said, I need you to turn this into something. Like, this is what Kanye's been doing. Like, this is people are looking at this like, oh, my God, how dare he do this to her? Dude, he does it to himself. What are you talking about? Like, I don't mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't see this. I didn't even see like her interviews and stuff about it as seeming as terribly offended as other people were. He has been putting these records out and tweaking them after they were out. Like this, this part is not new, but again, maybe this record could be better. Maybe it could be the one that she thought that it was going to be. You know, maybe Kanye made the decision at the end to flip it in that way. I don't know. He made some executive decisions on people's records on these at the end. He made the executive decision about the Whitney Houston picture on the Pusher record. Like, he has been doing those things. That, that's what he's decided. Um, but if she wants to force her way off of this, I don't know who it was who he thought that, uh, that she was working for. But, yo, I'm sorry. I think that record is jamming. So I'm like, I'm down to leave it as it is. And if it comes back, and it turns out to be something worth hearing. All right, cool. I'll go check that too. But as of right now, nah, nah, nah. I'm on board. I'm on board. I thought it was cool. Also, I, you know, I don't know necessarily what exactly Iman Shumpert's into and like what kind of life he likes to live and how they kicking and stuff like that. But let me tell you something. Uh, I heard enough on that record to be like, yo, homie, you won the game of life to be a dude that scored like seven points a game. All right, appreciate the question. Let's see. What is this next question that I planned to ridicule? Somebody voted up or down. Where did it go? Does that video of Dane pushing up on Lee Daniels help or hurt people's perception of him? Which him are you talking about? You talking about Dame or Lee Daniels? Help me out. Because, I mean, I think the answer is very clear for each party. It absolutely helps Dame's reputation. Dame is like, look, man, I gave you $2 million on the strength, and you never gave me back my money. Lee Daniels is up there knowing he ain't never give that dude his money. Talk about Damon, Damon, what's your number? I'll give you a call. What do you mean you're going to give me a call? You're going to give me a call? You owe me $2 million. What are you talking about? Now, I think Dane was tripping with Dane was like, yo, you didn't even invite me 
to Precious, and he's right that, you know, Lee Daniels did not invite him to Precious. But to be fair, Lee Daniels had two choices at that point. Invite him to Precious and give him his $2 million. Because you know damn well if he, if, 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 if he owed Dame $2 million and he kept inviting Dame to stuff, Dame going to be like, how you going to owe me $2 million, but you still keep inviting me to stuff? You know he wasn't. You know you know he wasn't gonna like that. So now, nah, man, I think everybody's team Dame on that one. And everybody's team Dame on that one because everybody been in the situation to watch somebody stunting with your money. And it is the worst feeling in the world to see somebody stunting on your money. It is the worst. I once loaned somebody $35 and watched that dude buy a CD dead in my face. And my brother was like, you just got to decide $35 worth friend. And I don't know if $35 was worth friend, but I know this. $2 million, yeah, man, we got to fall out. Oh, yeah, DeMarcus, thanks for this in the chat room. I forgot about this. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, in like 04... I had a partner from college, man. I hadn't talked to him in a minute. And he gave me this long story about everything that he had been going through and everything that he had been going through involved a baby being born that also died and what he claimed to be a bogus sexual assault charge. Yeah, and so, I mean, I felt like he was telling me the truth at the time, and it was just like, yo, man, I ain't really tripping on that. It's been a minute since we talked, you know what I'm saying? But that ain't no thing, man. But, you know, welcome back to the phone, stuff like that. And then he called me a couple weeks ago and asked if he could borrow $180. And so I happened to have it. Like, in 04, there wasn't really that many times I had $180 that I could give somebody. But I had $180. And so I gave him the $180. And then a couple weeks later, he asked me for my account number so that he could uh, put the money in my account. And the money never made its way into my account. Now, you fast forward like eight, nine, maybe 10 years later. I don't even remember exactly when, man. But I saw that dude on Facebook, man. It was on, he was on the messenger. And I hadn't seen him in a minute. And so I pulled up his Facebook page and real talk, his Facebook page was full of lies and it was full of lies. And that was a bit disturbing because it was linked to like a married two, And there was a woman's page on there. And I'm like, yo, if you lying about this stuff on your Facebook page, I can only assume that you also lie to her about this stuff. But anyway, I see him on Facebook. And we rapping, and I, and I hit him on the messenger or whatever, just kind of like long time, no speak. He's like, yeah, you know, and then he said something like, you know, a lot has gone on since the last time, I, you know, since we talked. I did a lot since the last time we talked or something like that. And I was like, yeah. Um, dude says, Bo, you gave me your account number. Lucky he didn't take more money out. Kofi, you idiot. I don't think you understand how account numbers work. Now, you don't just walk up with the number and walk out with the money. It's not really how it goes. 
Anyway, and somebody talking about, like, what type of lies are we talking about? I'm talking about, like, lying about whether or not he graduated from college, lying about what high school he graduated from. Like, I mean, there's, like, like seemingly unnecessary lies. Now, maybe he graduated from college, but I don't know about that. But just seemingly unnecessary lies. So, yeah, I hit him on the Facebook message, and I'm like, yeah, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's been a lot of things that's happened, you know, since last time we talked. I'm like, yeah, a lot of those things happened, and you had my money. Because he clearly still realized that he owed me that money. And my man hit me and was like, yeah, you know, well, you have to understand. It's, you know, a lot of things have changed with me, you know, since we last talked. Um, you know, I gave my life to Christ. Did you give him my money, too? So do I need to, like, invoice Christ for my 180? What in the Bible say that once you find Christ, all debts are paid. Like, what in the world is you giving your life to Christ have to do with not giving me my money? In fact, I would think from what I've heard about the dude that giving your life to Christ would give you a greater incentive to give me my money. Right? Is that not what Jesus would do? Are you telling me that Jesus wouldn't give me my money? Like guys, you let me know if I'm being if I'm, you let me know if I'm being ridiculous here. Like is that is, is that no, I, I think what I got there is totally appropriate question. I will note, I don't even know if he's listening. It's cool. Like I got a partner that owe me some money right now. It's no big deal. He's in a situation, he needed the money. I give it to him, but I respect the fact that he keeps giving me updates like, yo, don't worry about it. I'm going to get you back on your bread. You know, this is what's going on with it or whatever. Cool, right? Like, he does that. However, I do not think it is a coincidence that the Dame Dash story cracked off yesterday. And then today, he contacted me to give me an update on what was going on with the money. I don't think it is at all. I wonder how many people heard from folks that owe their money. At the Dave Dad situation happened. I wonder. By the way, Kofi the Idiot said at least he didn't have the routing number. Dude, you could have the routing number too. You're not just snatching money out of somebody's account. And if you are, dumbass, you're going to jail. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, now's the thing about that Dame Dash video, man. We've been there with somebody that owed you some money, and sometimes you just got to run up on them and get, you know, and try to like get your money. Now, I ain't gonna lie, I have a certain inclination on those things like that where I'm just willing to charge it to the game, right? I just can't rock with you no more, but I'm gonna just go ahead and charge to the game. Man, I got partners that's owed me hundreds of dollars for like 10 years, you know? Like, okay. However, $2 million and you go ghost. Nah, man, I got to come up on you at the Diana Ross show with reach out and touch playing in the background. Because if you don't give me my money, I'm going to reach out and touch you. Like, I wonder, here's the other thing I need to know about that, too. I need to know, did Dame roll up because he knew 
Lee Daniels was going to be there or he happened to be there. See Lee Daniels was there and decided that this was the time for him to go get his money. And on top of that, did he choose to run up on Lee Daniels in that moment, knowing reach out and touch was playing because maybe just maybe that would have helped Lee Daniels get the message. These are all the things I want to know. Appreciate the question. Here we go. My man says, how much composure did Dame show by not snatching that ridiculous cape off Lee Daniels while checking him about his bread? Well, there ain't no way that Dame was going to be able to get his bread from jail. Like, let me tell you something about a dude that's going to take $2 million from you and then not pay you back. That dude's going to call the cops on you about you putting your hands on him. Why? Because if you go to jail, then you can't come ask him about his money. Appreciate the question. Hey, Lance, get Kofi up out of here, man. Like, I'm looking and noticing he's commenting on everybody's questions and stuff like that. Get him up out the paint. Somebody asked about listening to new Freddie Gibbs. I did listen to new Freddie Gibbs, and because of that cover, I had to order it on vinyl. It's cool. Like, it's not pinata, right? But I thought it was good. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Is Nipsey Hussle slapping the parking lot at the parking attendant the most disrespectful outcome that situation could have had for the parking attendant? I mean, no, it's not the most disrespectful. There are there are there are other levels of disrespect. Like he didn't get spat upon. He, you know, that didn't happen. However, an open hand slap with the vigor that Nipsey threw that with, like that was mad disrespectful. Man, he was heated. Also, didn't the parking lot dude like not so, knock something out of somebody's hand, and that's what got that thing jumping? Like, I don't really know what he had on his mind in that regard, but he got slapped in the face, and then like he put up his blows, you know, put up his dukes, and it looked like they was gonna scrap it out, and then they went in different directions. And I mean, I suppose you need to employ a measure of strategy in a circumstance like that, but I kind of feel like. Once that dude slap you in the face, you can't be worried about defense right now. Like, I feel like the only response to getting slapped in the face is offense. Lots and lots of offense. Like, you have been slapped in the face. Y'all just got the ball back. It's all go routes, baby. Everybody everybody, take it to the end zone, and we're going to throw it deep. Like, you know, maybe we get sacked in the end zone for a safety or a scoop and score or something like that. That's totally possible. But we got to take it to the house one time after that, bro. We got to. And, yes, Nip did perform after that slap. He slapped that dude in the face, and his performance, people acting like ain't nothing even happened. Just, I mean, he slapped the shit out of him, too. Uh, let me see what else we got here. Yeah, I'll do this. Which countries have you uh, traveled overseas to visit and which was your favorite? I actually have not done very much world travel. Um, like we lived in Nigeria for a year when I was a young, when I was a youngster, but it's been a long time. Like that barely even count. Um, I have been to England. I have been to France. I have been to Jamaica. I have been to the Netherlands and my favorite place that I have been on the oh, oh I've been to Barbados. Um, and my favorite place that I've been on the overseas kick was Costa Rica. 
Costa Rica was dope as hell. Oh, yeah, and I'm from Texas. So that's another one. Costa Rica was dope as hell. Like that's that's the one that I recommend. I got to find me a way back there at some point. But I am here for the Costa Rica. Uh, the problem is, it's like, I went for my birthday, and that's like in the rainy season. And I would like to go again for a birthday, but I don't really want to get rained on. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. How was it being recruited? Yeah, I think on some show I talked about uh, getting recruited for a job. And let me tell you this about being recruited, though. It's a little tricky because, like, you got some game about you. You know the sales the sell. And everybody got a sell, but you know that the sell is the sell. What is tricky when you get recruited is when the people who make the best sell are not the people offering the best idea. And so you wind up feeling like almost a certain measure of torture. Because it's kind of like you want the people that have blown the most smoke up your booty, but at the same time, you know you can't go there. And then you get offended that smoke is not blowing up your booty by the people that you want to blow smoke up your booty. Booty, 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 rocking everywhere. See, it's cool in that regard. It's cool. Like, I had a situation, like, uh, this is like 2013 when I was looking for a job. Like, that was a great time to look for a job because I had a fairly regular presence on ESPN at that point because of Around the Horn, but I did not have a contract with ESPN. And that was at a time where every, like, all these companies were starting these sports networks. NBC was starting a sports network. That's when Fox at first got their network thing, cracking CBS. Uh, had one and they were just kind of getting it going. You had all, like all these regional Comcast joints and everything else. Like you had all these people out here and I was in a real cool situation because I really got to meet with everybody. I, I think I met with pretty much every company of consequence um, that was in the game at that point. That was kind of cool. All right. Let me see. Someone said if I'm planning to travel further, like Asia, Australia. Yeah, probably at some point. Um, the thing about like those trips, them trips that's got to take you like 20 something hours or whatever to get there in the first place, you got to have some time to be there. Like to burn a couple days just in transit, you got to have some time to be there. And I ain't been in a situation as of yet to actually like have that kind of time to be there. Ooh, sorry about that yawning. All right. Anything else? Anything else? You know what? Nah, I think we come to an end here. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. Try to get this thing done here about every week or two somewhere in there. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you. Uh, we will not be all next week because I have the week off from work, so I'm going to take the week off from this also. So we'll see what happens when I get it back cracking. Remember, if you can't watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the iTunes store, subscribe to Stitcher Radio. Check us out on SoundCloud. We're also at the Google Play Store. Also, check out High Noon, uh, ESPN, noon, Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Check it out. Check out the right time. Available for all five podcasts to download. Holla at your boy. Take it easy.